Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they're investing and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. And speaking of deals, we have a great opportunity right now. You can passively invest in Element 41, a beautiful 494 units in Marietta, Georgia, right outside Atlanta. It's a value-added Class B asset and a very conservative investment. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. And if you want to learn more about this opportunity, email me. My email address is ellie at ellieperlman.com and ellie is spelled E-L-L-I-E. So it's Ellie at ellieperlman.com. And a quick disclaimer, this is not an offer to sell securities. I'm not a registered investment advisor, and you should always consult with your CPA or investment advisor before making a decision to invest. So today we're going to talk about how sponsors have changed their behaviors during COVID. And it's, again, another episode where I'm basically going to share what's happening behind the scenes and, you know, talk a little bit about how sponsors think, how they operate. So to give you a little bit more of, I would say, open kind of the window, open the door a little bit and show you and share with you what's going on and how we're managing our assets, how we're thinking about investments and the things that I'm sharing they're most likely not unique to just Blue Lake. I'm sure that many sponsors are thinking and operating in similar fashion. So the first thing that changed since COVID is basically conserving cash. So, I mean, not sitting on cash, but keeping cash, making sure you have enough reserves is the first thing you want to do when something like COVID you know, happens, or if there's any downturn, because you want to be prepared in case that the income is not going to support paying your utility bills and other expenses and paying the lender. And so you want to make sure you have enough cash. So if you don't have enough cash to begin with, if you don't have reserves when you're closing, that's not really great because you want to make sure you have some money in case you need it. Now, if you don't have some cash, then obviously you need to come up with a plan. But the main focus since COVID started was to make sure that we're not only cash flowing, but we have enough reserves, enough cash sitting in a certain account so we can be more sure that if something happens, we can tap into that reserves account and can use that cash. So we're not going to get in trouble with the lender, with, you know, making the distributions to investors, etc. So that's one main focus that wasn't really there before COVID. Yes, we all have reserves, 
but it wasn't the focus because the focus was renovating units, pushing income, and having reserves. You know, that's good to have, but it wasn't the main focus. And right now, the focus is every month okay, how much money do we have sitting aside in case we need it? Is it 100,000, half a million, a million? We need to, and of course, we need to know what the size of the property is to basically understand if this is a reasonable amount to be sitting aside. But maintaining cash and conserving it and using it in moderation is one of the main focuses during COVID when it comes to operators. Now, the second thing is actually thinking creatively how to increase income, or I should say how to increase the bottom line, the net operating income, which includes pushing expenses down and pushing income up. So you need to think creatively, how can I raise the income? And one of the things that I found to be very helpful is actually besides focusing on the premiums, which are basically the addition to the rent because you're renting a renovated unit, that is not really the focus. The focus is all the other aspects of income that are less important to tenants, to most of them at least. And what I mean by that is instead of focusing on pushing rents from $1,000 to $1,200, which you should definitely do, we kind of also looked at other aspects of income and said, let's try and maximize that. So for instance, if renter's insurance was $11 a month, what happens if we increase it to $14? This is not something that usually tenants push against, push back and say, hey, that's too expensive. And you can, you know, increase maybe by three or $4 a month, you can increase your income. But if you multiply it by, you know, over a year, that's 12 months. And if you're able to do that to half the property, because you obviously cannot change retroactively, it's only for new tenants, then all of a sudden you have a, a nice bump in income that wasn't there to begin with. That's one example. Another example could be a new fee. You know, you can add an admin fee of $5 or $7 or $3, whatever it is that wasn't there before. And again, every month you have new tenants, you have basically, or when someone renews the lease, then you have an addition income that wasn't there beforehand. And I have to say that this is actually something that I do with all my properties. I basically sit down with the team and we go line by line in the T12 and we say, how can we further increase the income? You know, even after doing all the analysis and, and working on a budget before we purchase the property. Now, what can we do? Let's sit down with basically a list of all the fees that we're charging and see what we can do to maximize it. So obviously you don't want to push all the fees to drive people away. You have to do it in moderation. You have to do it over time. But if you do it wisely, then over time, you can have a nice bump in income. And that's something that, you know, it's part of creative thinking of how you can raise income. That's one way of doing it. And that's also something that many sponsors are focused on. Okay, if it's not the rent that we can increase, what can we do to push income? Another thing that basically changed since COVID is a very, very laser focus 
kind of strategy on delinquencies. And delinquencies is basically all the tenants that are late to pay their rents. And so some of the things that we did that we didn't do before COVID is basically offer early bird discounts. So by the end, I would say the last one or two weeks of March, we already came to tenants and said, hey, if you pay your April rent and any other rent, you know, April, May, June rent now during March, we're going to give you 50 or $75 per month discount. And many tenants took advantage of that program. So that way we were able to maintain a healthy delinquency amount because it wasn't very high. And some of the tenants that paid us in advance actually lost their jobs later, but it didn't really impact the delinquencies because they paid in advance. So that's one way of focusing on delinquencies and trying to be proactive and prevent the spike in delinquency. Now, after we have some tenants that basically said, hey, we can't pay, we lost our jobs or we're struggling financially right now. The goal is to be very, very proactive. So when we knew that the stimulus checks arrived we basically sent the staff members to knock on doors and say, hey, we know that, that you know, you're delinquent and we know that you actually received a check or assume that you received a stimulus check. Why don't you come to the office and pay your delinquent rent? And many did. And so just being very proactive, that's another way of, you know, focusing on delinquencies and making sure that the number is not spiking and keep working with tenants and say, okay, why don't we just put you on a plan where if you have, let's say, three months worth of unpaid rent, why don't you pay 75% or 50% and we'll, you know, let go of the rest, we'll forgive the rest of the debt, but you have to leave so we can bring, obviously, you know, someone who can pay. So that's another way of saying, listen, we are going to agree that you pay some of the rent, not all of it. Because every month that passes by, the likelihood of collecting the rent is not very high. It's actually declining. So focusing on delinquencies was actually something that kind of changed when it comes to sponsors' behaviors. It became even more apparent, you know, during COVID, it's something that we always worked on. But right now, it's kind of the point of focus when it comes to asset management. Another thing that actually changed is how we're dealing with evictions. And obviously we all know there's eviction moratorium. And so some tenants, you know, we can't evict if they sign on a declaration. And basically we have changed our behavior in the previous, in the original eviction moratorium that actually prevented us from even starting the eviction process and it wasn't possible for us to evict, it was illegal. This time around, it's better because we can start evicting and we only have to halt evictions once the tenant comes to us and say, hey, I did research, I found this declaration. I know if I sign on it, you have to stop and they have to be comfortable signing on the declaration. And I've talked, you know, in a previous episode about all the things that they need to sign on to basically they're signing that they've lost their job, that they will become homeless if they get evicted. And it's criminal to print this form, sign and lie if the declaration is not correct. So that basically prevents a lot of tenants from doing so. And they also have to know that they have that protection. And so 
deciding what to do with evictions is big because normally, you know, pre-COVID, someone didn't pay, you had to have notice, then there's 30 days notice, and then you can evict them unless they pay and, you know, the rent and you're okay with that. And now one of the main, you know, focus is how do we evict in a way that makes sense? So, you know, I can tell if someone is really sick and, you know, something happens and they used to be good tenants, I'm more willing to work with them than to evict them. But if tenants disappear, if they don't answer phone calls, they don't answer the door and you know they're there, I tend to place an eviction order, you know, when it comes to those tenants that are either taking advantage of us as landlords or just not willing to communicate. Because if someone is not willing to communicate, then they're not going to pay their debt, their rent. And even with the previous eviction moratorium, it basically didn't forgive, it didn't take their unpaid rent and make it disappear. So what happened was that tenants got the protection of the eviction moratorium. And then after it expired, they just bounced, they disappeared and they didn't pay. And that's not fair. And so deciding what to do with evictions is pretty huge. And I know some sponsors, they're halting evictions altogether. Those who are actually reading the instructions, the laws, the regulations, understand that they actually can evict. And only if a tenant comes to them and signs a declaration, the declaration that they cannot pay, then they have to stop evictions. But so far, none of my tenants that I'm evicting came to me and signed the form. And so that's kind of the difference between the two eviction moratoriums. But every sponsor is trying to figure out what would be the new strategy, how to basically interact with tenants and make sure that even if you're evicting, you're comfortable with what you're doing, that you're evicting the right tenants and not those who are truly trying to pay and truly are struggling, not just trying to take advantage of you as a landlord. The last thing that sponsors are dealing with is also communicating with investors. And I've seen some sponsors that were a bit more silent during COVID, and I've seen some sponsors that have been overly communicating. And I think it's really, really important to communicate with investors. If you're unsure what's going on, you can say, listen, we're trying to figure it out. We'll let you know if something changes. If you think that investors would want to know something that happens at the property, then share it with investors. Share the delinquencies, the number of tenants that don't pay, share the collections, share the occupancy, share metrics that you think that would be really valuable to investors. And I'm one of those sponsors that actually sometimes maybe over-communicate. But, you know, if investors still see their returns hitting their accounts every month, they don't care about what's really happening, that's totally fine. Some investors want to know what's going on. So I think the fact that some sponsors change their behaviors and they're much more communicative, much more sharing the good, bad, and ugly, that really helps put investors at ease. And even if the deal is not going very well, at least they understand what's going on. And communication, I think, is key. I think it's it's not everything, but it's very important. 
So that's kind of the summary of how sponsors have changed their behavior during COVID, what they're focused on right now. You know, we talked about conserving cash, about thinking creatively, how to raise income, focus on minimizing delinquencies, focus on deciding, you know, what to do with evictions, and of course, how to communicate with investors. That's all today, guys. Be bold, be great, and keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.